Welcome to the Ozone. Welcome to the Ozone. Welcome to the Ozone. Welcome to the Ozone. The voice of massive magic fans. Welcome back to another episode of the Ozone Podcast, the voice of magic fans. In the virtual studio today, you have Justin. Yo. Al. What's going on, guys? Myself, <laughs> Anthony, and a very special guest, the man, the myth, the legend, Mr. Dante Margatelli, how we doing? Man, it's great to be with you guys. I, can I get that voice, Anthony, to intro all my stuff? <laughs> <laughs> that was smooth. I appreciate that. No, it's good to uh, good to talk to you guys. I've seen your work, and we've been in touch here the last couple months, but uh, I appreciate the opportunity. Dante, I'll trade my voice for your suits any day. <laughs> <laughs> you got it, man. We have, we're having fun. We're trying to. That's the whole point of our telecast. We try to make it as fun and and try to provide as much insight as we can for the fans. But this is fun. And I don't know if fans are going to get to see this version, but the hat you're wearing, the gear you guys have, this is impressive. <laughs> Absolutely. Now, I, obviously, with the lockdown, the quarantine, there's there's a lot of staying at home happening. Dante, what are some of the things that you're doing at home to stay busy? Yeah, uh, Puppy Dog Pals. I don't know if you heard of Puppy Dog Pals. I've got, <laughs> I've got a six-year-old daughter and a five-year-old daughter. So uh, it's been a lot of cartoons in and around school. So we're homeschooling. Um, we're learning how to be teachers again. So that's been needed. My wife works full-time as well. So both of us are working. We're, we're, doing, we're tag-teaming on homeschool. We're getting a lot of projects done around the house, like you guys probably are too. And yeah. uh, a, lot of, a, lot of, a lot of things that we said we'd do if we had time. Uh, we're trying to check in the Netflix, right? So we're, we got six episodes into Tiger King. <laughs> and then we had to, uh, I couldn't bring myself to do episode seven, but we may finish that at some point. We like Ozarks, so we're into that a little bit too. And, uh, and we just finished uh, Avengers Endgame. So now we have done all 21, 21 or 22 of the Marvel movies. So I've tried a couple of times myself to watch Ozark, and I can't get past the third, fourth episode. And everyone keeps telling yeah. me that it's a really yeah. good TV show. I just can't get past that. Um, I actually enjoyed Tiger King a lot. Did you? That's disturbing. <laughs> I enjoyed it a lot. Well, it's it's amazing that there's that. I, did you ever know that there was that much of a demand for people wanting to pet a tiger? It had never been. It had I, never occurred to me. I never knew. Point. I had no idea whatsoever. I thought it was pretty funny because they were talking about it on um, on the TNT bro- broadcast with Shaquille O'Neal, and they're kind of clowning him a little bit because he was so yep. involved, and they they said that he was all for Team Joe. So, you know, Tiger King kind of took over a little bit during uh, the quarantine. It did. It got us through a little stretch, didn't it, guys? It got us through a little uh, a little stretch because we, you know, we, we, you know, our hearts and prayers go out to everybody who's battling things and. And everybody's doing their part, including you guys, to try to create a diversion. Yeah, That's right. Sure. So I, I'm not, I'm not cool enough. I haven't watched Tiger King. I haven't had that experience. I know it's immensely popular, um, and that's obviously a, you know a good way to kind of spend time and and kill a little bit of time because we have immense amounts of free time going on right now. Um, but in regard to like COVID nineteen. Can you discuss a little bit of, you know, the Magic Broadcast team efforts um, to help others during during this time? Yeah, I appreciate that opportunity and, and this platform to be able to talk about that because I think all of us have talked at different times. You heard the Magic players mention they're all on a group chat and they're trying to decide what to do. And it was Nick Vucevic that 
started it and said, hey, guys, we got to step up here. This is an opportunity for us. And, and I think, you know, similarly, all of us broadcasters are always on uh, group chats. And, you know, you guys have your group chats and all that. And, and we're just trying to rack our, rack our brain and come up with a way that we can make a difference. So we thought, okay, we could all do our own individual donations, which, which we plan to do anyway. But maybe we could put... And then we can find a way to have some fun and maybe get some fans involved as well. So and we know times are tough. We know it's very difficult to ask people to make donations. But even if it's $5, $10, whatever you can spare, uh, the donations go to Christian Service Center or Second Harvest Food Bank. And you can pick either one of those two. They're just two organizations near and dear to our organization's hearts and our hearts as well. We know the people that run them. And they do terrific work. And there's such a need here in Central Florida, really across the whole country, people that are out of work and don't have access to, to the food and the nutrition they need. So let's back them, let's back these organizations. They're doing terrific work. And then in addition, just to kind of get, create a little bit of an incentive and, and to reward people's generosity during this difficult time, you know, we're asking them to upload a video to Greenfly. You download the Greenfly app, which is really easy. Use the promo code MAGICGIVE. And we've seen some great videos and pictures come in so far, but upload a picture or video that just shows your love for Central Florida, Orlando, or the magic. You know, either way you want to go. And we're going to pour through all the footage. And at the end of the month, we're going to pick a winner. And we really want to take care of them. We're going to give them great seats to the game. Uh, they'll have courtside seats. They'll have access to the lounge. Uh, whenever we do get back up and running, they'll be wined and dined by the rest of us broadcasters behind the scenes. We'll take them in the truck and, you know, whether watch the warm-ups for the players and Steve Clifford. Get a nice experience for everybody. Uh, and just a little way that maybe we can all use our platforms and, and try to raise as much money as possible. Yeah, I think that's a, a good point um, and something everyone should look into. I think in moments like this, uh, it's really important to kind of show that uh, humanity right. in, in each of us um, and show that we can take care of each other even if, you know, we have a little bit uh, to right. spare. Yeah, thank you, Justin. And, and we encourage, sorry, we encourage everyone to go to orlandomagic.com and all of the details are there. So you can find everything there, how to donate, how to upload the videos. And we're not all Shaquille O'Neal. We, we can't all go on social media and, and raise, I mean, it's unbelievable. It's so awesome what these guys are doing and the money that's been raised uh, during this during these times. But uh, so anyway, we're using our little, whatever little influence we can. That's awesome. Yeah, it was Alex Morris that said that the uh, the magic always does the right thing. So it's it's really good to see that that's not echoed just by one individual. It's it's everyone in the community in the organization. So especially with the way that you guys are doing it, I can only imagine the type of videos and information that's going to leak through. Well, it's been fun, and yeah, you're right. It's been you know, there's some pictures that have been from you know years ago, and and I've got one with my uh, with my daughters, or they're doing the starting five and all that. But uh, there's been a lot. <laughs> Yeah, I can I can only imagine. There's one that popped in. Sorry, one of my one of my one of my daughters popped in now. But uh, it's it, there's a there's a lot of people that have love for Central Florida. There's a lot of people that have been here a while. Uh, so it's been you know going back to you know standing there with a picture uh, of their kid with Jack or a picture from the early days, which I love. And anything with kids, you know, is going to resonate and and well, that'll certainly hey, grab some weight as well. But uh, just the great videos and pictures that that we've seen and then some just walking outside and, and you get to see a nice backdrop of Orlando and just really embracing this city and this town, which we all call home, which is uh, certainly near and dear to us as well. Absolutely. Now, Dante, you're, everyone's pretty familiar with Dante and the Orlando magic in terms of broadcasting. 
who was Dante before Orlando Magic was involved? Well, I appreciate that. I, I you know, we, we try to, you know, do the best that we can. And but before I got to the Orlando Magic, I, um, I'm from Boston, Massachusetts originally. So I grew up about 10 miles north, a suburb called Woburn. And I was there to work, but uh, would come back every summer. And that's where we vacation and that's where we do our summers. I just became an avid Boston sports fan. So a huge Larry Bird fan, a huge Red Sox fan, uh, Bruins, you know, and, and the Patriots were decent at that time, but nothing like what we've seen Boston sports go through uh, since the year 2001, 2002. So, uh, you know, there wasn't a ton of success outside of those great Celtics teams. So uh, that really grew my love for basketball. And there was a broadcaster there called Johnny Most, who used to call those games on the radio, and Mike Gorman, who's still doing it, uh, with Tommy Heinsohn. And that kind of, and Joe Castiglione, who did the, uh, still does the Red Sox. So that kind of, hearing those guys really gave me a love for those sports, those teams, uh, and listening on radio. That, that's how I grew up, was, was listening to these games on radio. And then I moved to upstate New York, which if you've never been, there's not a lot there. And <laughs> so all that was taken away. We didn't have access to the games. We didn't, so I would have to scour through the radio and maybe find a Yankee broadcast or you know, a Mets broadcast. And once in a while, you, the airwaves would be big enough where you could get a Boston station or something like that. So I would still listen to the radio, and that kind of took me back. You know, I, I just always thought if I could find it on the radio, for me, when I listened, it took me to Yankee Stadium. It took me to Fenway Park. It took me to Madison Square Garden. And I thought, man, these guys paint such a great picture uh, and, and do a great job telling this game that if I could ever have that opportunity and be able to tell a story like these guys are and, and to kind of just provide a two-hour relief, that's it, just a two-hour uh, change from everyone's lives where you can get away and escape, that's what I wanted to do. So that, that was kind of, long story short, that was the impetus. I'm a, I grew up in Boston, moved upstate New York, and, and just from a very early age, I just really wanted to play a part and, you know, in anyone's listening or watching uh, experience when, when they're watching it. I think that's sure. awesome to hear how different it was from that time frame to now of how you're able to receive the information of sports. Because you know, before you really had to rely on the newspapers, you had to rely on the radio. You know, now with things like NBA League Pass and streaming, I mean, you can literally have any team, any game right on your fingertips to really consume that information in any possible way now. There's so many different yeah. outlets. No, you're exactly right. So I'd have to wake up uh, in the morning and people can, you know, can relate to this too. But, you, you know, you have to, we didn't get the paper right away. We had to go into town and get the paper. So I wouldn't know until I got the paper. And then if it was a late game, if the Celtics were playing in Sacramento, you wouldn't get that score. And then I remember being, I was probably 14 or 15, and they came up with a phone number that you could call in the morning and you could get all the scores. And then wow. you could hit another prompt. Oh, wow. and yeah, that's how I first started, you know, before the internet. And, uh, you know, not having to wait for the paper to come. Couldn't get the scores on the radio. You'd call in on the phone. And then if there was a, a, a game that you wanted a little more information on, you'd hit another button and it could give you the leading scores for the Celtics and the Kings or the leading scores for the bulls and the, it's crazy it's it's so wow. it's so so primitive and we've come so far because we have so much access now but that's how you used to have to do it so i think if you wanted to know anything about your favorite team you were at the mercy of these broadcasters who were with the team and that, that was just kind of part of the appeal and that's what made it so much fun and that 
that's what really grew my grew my love for it. Now, Dante, in your case, did you grow up wanting to be into broadcasting or what was your initial goal growing up as you're growing up in yeah. life in middle school, high school? What did you want to be in the future? Sure. Well, Al, I wanted to be Larry Bird. That's what I wanted to be. <laughs> and I was and I was certain and I was certain I was going to make it in the NBA. <laughs> I was certain. And then I realized that at a very young age that that wasn't going to happen. And so I knew I wanted to be in sports in some capacity. I always did. I never was I never really had other passions, you know, and other, other hobbies. I had posters on my wall. I had, I collected baseball cards, basketball cards, and I didn't really know what jobs there were in sports, but I knew I wanted to be in sports in some capacity, but as a kid and as a, someone going up through middle school and all that, and, and even early high school, I wanted to play. Yeah. So are you saying that you still have a, a soft spot for the Celtics? Is that what you're saying? Dante? <laughs> well, I, uh, I have a soft spot for the Celtics of the eighties. Yeah, that's what I have a soft spot. Now, as soon as I got to Orlando and, and became a part of this, I, I, it was, it was easy. It was easy for me. To, and you remember those Celtics teams in the early 2000s, they weren't very good. So they made it easy for me to make yeah. my transition <laughs> was- to the Orlando magic. But yeah, but I mean, I'll, I'll always, I'll always watch them. I was, I was curious when the magic played the Celtics in the playoffs in 2009, I, in Boston, I was really curious how difficult that may or may not be. It's easy. I, I was a Magic fan through and through, and and if the Magic are out of the playoffs, then I, I'll certainly cheer on the Boston Celtics and, and want to see them do well. But uh, but yeah, that, so I guess I always have a soft spot, soft spot of some kind. But I, I knew I wanted to be involved in sports in some capacity for sure. So as a Massachusetts uh, sports fan, and kind of being able to watch the Patriots develop and change over time. Um, I'm sure you were a Tom Brady fan, of course. How, Oof. how did you, how did it hit you when, when Tom made the move? Well, see, so I predate Tom Brady, right? So I was, if you go back and uh, if you're real, you remember Steve Grogan and you remember Tony Easton and the early quarterbacks, and those teams weren't very good. So what I did was living in upstate New York, everyone was a Giants fan. So I was a Patriots fan first, and I gravitated towards the Eagles because that was the rival team. And, man, I was a huge Randall Cunningham fan. And you couldn't tell me otherwise until Tom Brady came along. And then Tom Brady, you know, Mo Lewis puts that hit on Drew Bledsoe, and we love Drew Bledsoe. I mean, he turned that franchise around as well. But then they're going to make the call to this young Tom Brady, and anyone that says they knew who he was is lying. Obviously, none of us, no no one followed the Patriots more than me. And I knew the name uh, just from the draft, but I, none of us had any idea. We thought, okay, if you can just get us through two, three, four weeks until Drew gets back, um, then, then we'll take, but you got to remember Drew was starting to get a little erratic too. He would have, he'd have rough games. He'd have unbelievable games, but he was kind of going through an erratic phase. So, so he didn't, it's not like he won five straight games. He started a little slow but it was different. He, he was making the right throws. He was making the right plays. And we thought, well, this could be something. So, yeah, I was, we were all on board on that Tom Brady train. And then, you know, once we made the playoffs, you said, we got to ride this. I mean, you can't, you can't bring Drew back. Now, idea that it would get to this point. And don't you, I mean, I'm biased, but is he not the greatest football player of all time? Yes, to me. See, I have I have a a hard time I have a hard time agreeing so easily because I'm a Giants fan. I've been a Giants fan my entire life. I'm <laughs> from Brooklyn, um, 
Yeah, but I know a thing or two about Fair erratic enough. quarterbacks. Eli Eli toward the end was a little bit erratic, so you know. But I mean, he had it, our it number. Tur- he had our number. That's for sure. Yeah, it turns into a benefit because now Tom Brady's only what an hour and a half away to yeah. see live. Yeah, see, that's the thing, and I and so it led me to this dilemma, and I don't know how you guys would feel with your to let Tom Brady out of New England. How we're going to watch him with another team to me is unforgivable. So I put that on somebody in that organization made that decision and let him go. So if the page, I'm a Patriots fan forever. If the Patriots this year meet up with the Buccaneers, I will be rooting for Tom. Really? Oh, he he meant so much to that organization, to the whole sports landscape up there. And you don't let that guy go. And he didn't want to leave. Now he left. So I, Part of me wants to see him win one without Bill. I don't know. I don't know if I it can agree. happen. I think this move made him more likable. It kind of, as crazy as it sounds, because he's been a winner his entire career, it kind of makes yeah. him feel like an underdog in a way. Which is crazy, isn't it? Yeah, to think Tom Brady would be an underdog. But he feels he's got something to prove. I wish he would have just retired and walked off into the sunset like Eli's doing for your Giants. I think yeah. that's, you know, then, then you don't have to watch him get smashed playing with the Jets, you know? <laughs> The difference with the Giants is that Eli should have did that a long time ago. Now, <laughs> now Dante, Dante, does that mean that you're buying a Tampa Bay Buccaneers Tom Brady uniform? No, that means I'm wearing no. my Patriots Tom Brady jersey to Tampa. <laughs> I, I know. You know what? And there's a lot of us that are going to do that, and I and it's not to ruffle any feathers. And I hope Bucks fans understand it and appreciate it because we're there cheering for the Bucks. We want we're, you're going to have a huge bump in fans. Um, and there's going to be this while well, we were there way back when, and listen, we're not trying to take your team away, but we're supporting Tom and hopefully we can find a compromise. But yeah, I think we're all going to have Pat's gear on, but I don't mind. Listen, if somebody wants to send me a Bucks hat or a Bucks Jersey, I'll wear it. I just, uh, you know, I'll, I'll be happy to do that because I will be supporting the Bucks. I will be supporting. So can we expect to see Tom Brady, you think at Amway this upcoming season? Dante, okay, see, we you make that happen, made, Dante. You just made my heart stop. <laughs> Never considered that, but he went to he went to Celtics games, and if he wants to go to a basketball game, that makes the most sense. I, I think he should frequent that. I, I'd love to see him come over, especially as things start to ramp back up and football maybe is, is still a few months more away. Man, I, I don't know what I would do. I don't, I don't think I would be able, <laughs> that would be be awesome. able to control myself. But I'd love that. And I found out Nick Vucevic, is a huge Tom Brady fan. So we talk about yeah. that a lot. We have, uh, really? And he he gets just as excited as I do <laughs> thinking about the possibility of maybe bumping into Tom Brady at some point just because of, you know, for, for you know, for me, you know, I, I'm a fan of the team and what he did for us, but for him, he just appreciates him as a professional athlete and what he's been able to accomplish. I think what we need to start doing is start making and turning into a movement to start getting everyone possible just to start either sending DMs, start tagging Tom Brady, just and making yeah. it an actual thing because it, it impacts the dynamic of um, the environment around the Orlando Magic as well. Getting a person sure. and player caliber of Tom Brady to support the Magic, yeah. I think, would be a massive deal. But uh, let, let me ask you, Dante, did you ever think that totally an internship with the Magic fresh out of college would have turned into the career that you have right now with the organization? No, I, my goal was it, it to be involved, like I said, to be involved with a professional team. And then I got here to Orlando and I thought if I could just find a way 
to stick with this organization in some capacity, whatever it is. And then maybe, maybe one day have my own radio show. I just love sports talk radio growing up. And, and you could argue that that was kind of the start of it there in Boston. And then, you know, uh, you know, as uh, Justin would know, to a whole nother level too in New York city. But um, I just thought if I could get in with the magic in some capacity and then, you know, one day host my own radio show, I'd be a happy guy. I, TV was never in the equation. Uh, and then that became a possibility uh, shortly after. And I've loved it. I, I just, but you know, it's interesting that how timing goes and we have the WNBA here. So I was an intern in 1998 and that's why, you know, people get interns nowadays and you, you know, it, they get frustrated and think, okay, at the end of a year, I'm, you know, there's not going to be a job waiting here for me. But I thought the same thing, but I thought, you know, if I can make myself, you know, indispensable, you know, get to get to a point where they say, Hey, you know, this guy really provides something. Then I, you know, I, I'm a firm believer that if an organization wants to keep you, then maybe there's a way they, they can find a way, but we have right. the WNBA. So that created an opportunity. So I could stay on if I did the WNBA during the summer. So it was fantastic. So I got to do four years of the, team moved to Connecticut. They moved me full time as a, as a member of the Orlando Magic, uh, producing the radio games. And that was something that I just loved doing dearly. And then there was an opportunity to go in front of the camera, uh, you know, work in the local broadcast, not on Sunshine at the time, uh, but work in the local over the air broadcast. More full time. And, and I'm so appreciative to Fox Sports Florida for this opportunity. But you think about doing an, an internship, and I'll tell you this, guys, too. Being from Boston, the first thing that stands out to Boston, you know, from Boston people is the accent. And, you know, and it, and it was there. It was thick when I started as an intern. And all I was doing was creating commercials as an intern. And the first one that ran on 580 here in town, the general manager called my boss and said, that guy is never to go on our air again, ever, <laughs> <laughs> ever with that thick accent. And I thought, okay, well, that could, I could let that devastate me, and I could, I could let that be it, or I could work. I could work, and I just watched a lot of, you know, CNN and national broadcasts, and and just try to learn that Midwestern di dialect with no accent, and just really study it, and just to try to come back, and it really devoted my entire career to proving him wrong, if I could say that. <laughs> hey, so that's, uh, it's yeah. worked out really well. Really good. <laughs> well I, I, I appreciate it, man. I appreciate it. It's been, it's been a fun journey, but uh, to, just to, to be able to connect with fans on a nightly basis, and I try to talk to as many as I can, uh, every arena I go to, and now we're seeing them more and more on the road and then visiting arenas, that's the most fun to me because people take give up their time with fans at games I, I love doing it yeah and and truthfully i i personally enjoy watching you on every single game from the cun to the turkeys to getting your haircut done at the atlanta's <laughs> arena like, i think all that stuff is is great and amazing but let, let's talk uh, about magic it, man. Thank you. if it's okay with you let's talk about magic basketball um I, obviously with the interruption of the season up to this part um how do you think the season has gone um for the pinstripes well, I think we started slow. I think all of us expected them to come out of the gates a little stronger because of the way they finished last year. Right. And you're thinking, okay, they, they found something. Now let's just keep working again this summer and we can start the season where we left off. And it just, it just wasn't, it just wasn't that way. Uh, guys, some guys were hurt. And I think, I don't think Terrence Ross was fully healthy 
until maybe two months into the season where he was like the Terrence of old. Um, with the exception of Evan Fournier, nobody really started the season well. Everyone was kind of slow or some, one person would have a big game and then, you know, two or three other guys wouldn't. So it, was just, it just was hit and miss. And then the injuries hit. We were so healthy last year uh, that, you know, really no, no, no injuries to any of the main rotation players. And then this year was different. We just right. had the Jonathan Isaac injury, Al Farouk Aminu gone at the end of November for the rest of the year. And I think it was different with Markel Fultz. I think you're learning a new point guard and you're, you know, whereas he's a, a terrific player and a great addition, but it's different. It was new. And I don't think these guys had to learn how to play with him and he had to learn how to play with his new teammates. So I do think there were some differences from last year, some significant differences. And I, and I think we just, man, you guys know, we couldn't make a shot to start the season. It was just yeah. ice cold. Yeah. Until the last 15 games of the season, they're the best offensive team <laughs> in the NBA. So right. I think that's how we were, we were hoping somewhere in the middle of that is where we would start the season. Just if we can do anything on offense, the defense would be there. Uh, then we made a little bump in the road defensively as well, kind of in the middle of the season. So I, it wasn't not what anybody expected. I think everybody thought we'd hit the ground running a little better than we did. And I think what we did the last three weeks, month of the season, is kind of what we thought we'd have around December. So it, it's kind of like the first year. It took a little while to find our footing. But I tell you this, guys, there was just an air of confidence about this group in that locker room and they feel that they had found something and it's just, uh, you know, obviously we understand why we're not playing games, but I think everyone's disappointed that, that they, they couldn't realize that full potential. I completely agree, Dante. And I mean, now that you're saying that, imagine things come back up. Let's assume the NBA does come back in July, right, for example, right. but now you have Jonathan Isaac. Now you have a being new healthy. What are your thoughts on the team coming back? with faults playing the way he's playing the team playing at this high level what do you think the playoffs look like for the magic if they're healthy completely come playoff time yeah it's hard to say i mean you hope that those guys are ready and i think that would be the goal we just did a podcast with jonathan isaac on thursday and he's hoping you know he's optimistic and he's hoping and and he's rehabbing and hoping he can play and, and chief as well if those guys are able to play that's a tremendous bonus but that's also another learning curve. You're, you're now you're now working two guys back into the rotation. Two great options. Jonathan Isaacs is going to be the core of this organization moving forward uh, for quite some time. But I, so anyway, I think there's going to be a learning curve. But I don't know what it'll look like when you're bringing. You've heard the 25-day plan and a two-week training camp and how they're all going to potentially get this thing back up and running. But I just think, guys, I think and now it's been five weeks. And half of our team hasn't even shot the basketball in five weeks. I, I just don't know how long it's going to take them to get back up and running. And I think it's unfortunate because they were playing so well. I just hope it doesn't take a while uh, to find what they found here in February. But those options are great options. If, if you can get Al Farouk Aminu with Jonathan Isaac, with Markel Fultz, as you mentioned, Al, and just get that rotation and those guys – uh, working like they were. I mean, you were getting great contributions from, from everyone. Michael Carter-Williams is arguably the best player the last two weeks of the season. Um, these guys all really settled into their rotation, and, and I'd just love to see if there's a way to, to find a way to make it all work, and hopefully, guys, we get that opportunity. I think that was one of the biggest fears for me personally from last season where we were, we were above average healthy above average healthy and I thought in the beginning of the season there's just no way that we're going to get that lucky and it kind of right. seemed like it was just one after another after another and and on top of that we weren't playing well we weren't shooting well but it kind of seems like 
every season after the all-star break that that's when it becomes our yeah. our full stride no it so, does you're right it seems like and, and listen I, I watch those shoot arounds and i watch the practices and i watch training camp and steve clifford has given them so much information and there's so much detail and there's a lot to know and, you know the basic core principles i guess you know some guy like evan would say well it's simple defense well i, I think maybe for him and he's got it down but i think it takes a lot for other guy and the communication is so key and there, there are a lot of nuances to it that I, I just, it was the same thing in Charlotte. They had great turnarounds. I just think it, it takes guys a while to lock in, to finally commit, to hit the ground running and, and to where it becomes second nature. And I think that's why it seems to take to January ish uh, for these guys to find their footing. So I think, and it's a young team too. And I, I think you got to go to the playoffs a couple years in a row. And I think you do it. Okay. So we make it this year. Now, next year, we don't have to wait till, the middle of January or February to find our footing. Maybe it happens in December. And then the next year, okay, now we've done it three years in a row, and now we come out of training camp playing like we're supposed to. So I just think there's a, a gradual buildup instead of you finally made it for the first time in seven years. Now we've got it all figured out, and now we're going to do it in November. And I think another piece to this, guys, and maybe you guys can help me with this because I can't understand it, watching him day in and day out, the biggest piece to me was DJ Augustine coming back. And I just, the, him solidifying and anchoring that second unit, he started 81 games last year for this team. They made it to the first round of the playoffs as a, as a seven seed. And he hits the big shot to win game one in Toronto. I don't get, and I see it with sometimes with Magic fans, and, and I think it's the ones that don't watch it. I don't understand why that man does not get his due. I think he's so critical to this Magic team. Yeah, I think he's under, underrated for sure. And underappreciated. I completely agree. I think that DJ plays a role in this team that yeah. not many people have been able to fill that void over the years. Um, just the way that what he brings to the table, just uh, pushing the pace, hitting right. big threes, which we've known for years. We've struggled with shooting as a team. He's brought that since day one in just the calm leadership that he brings to this team. Uh, he's really the veteran that right. we have again, right. the oldest guy in the locker room, I believe, right, on our team. So. He's kind of the anchor that we need. So in I the beginning of the season, I, I told myself that, listen, if, if Mark Hill can at least play decent basketball, because we really didn't know what we were getting. You know, sure. we, saw, we had one maybe one video of him shooting in the gym, but we really didn't know what to expect. Right, All right, I right. asked was for Mark Hill to be healthy enough to be able to play just a little bit better than DJ Augustine, to have DJ Augustine come off the bench, and then our second unit was going to blow up with him and Terrence Ross and – and the, the shooting that he's able to bring. So I don't understand the disrespect that goes wrong with DJ as well, because to me, he is he is somebody that I really hope stays with the organization for a while. Yeah, you're exactly right, Anthony. And I, and I, and you get why you make the move to Markel, and Markel's gonna be the future of this franchise, and he's gonna be the starting uh, point guard for years to come. But DJ is such a steady influence. He doesn't turn the basketball over. He makes open shots. Uh, he's selfless. He's always looking to get guys involved. He he gets Nick Vucevic going with those little pick and rolls and the pocket passes. And he means so much to everybody, not to mention the jokester that he is in the locker room. You go into big games and 10 situations and the things that he says to guys and the way he keeps things light, it's awesome. I mean, it, it's just, he's just great in every way. And I, I, I just really wish the fans would appreciate what this guy brings. I, I know most do. But I know for some reason there's some that just don't understand it. But don't you think that there's always a lack of respect for undersized point guards? 
just across the board? There is, but there's always this love for the backup guy, right? There's always this infatuation with, you know, when, when Eli's playing bad, well, we got to get, we got to get the next guy in there. You know, there's always this love with the backup, but I, I just, and, and, a, and a lot of people see that with DJ as well, but you're right. It probably is just a general lack of appreciation for, for, for the smaller guy and what they can do. But, but if you look at his numbers and how he handles the basketball and his plus minus compared to other point guards and his three point shooting, you know, and, and all that, I mean, everything that goes, he's everything you want out of your point guard. And, and I think, I think fans get caught up with looking at Russell Westbrook, James Harden, Chris Paul, and looking at these guys. Well, you know what? There's four of those guys in the NBA. <laughs> There's four of them. Not everybody can do that. So that's right. So you got to, you know, you're just, you're, you're lucky and you're blessed at 32 years old to have this guy. And yeah, I, I, I agree. I think there's probably just maybe a little bit of a, a misunderstanding on, on the importance that he brings to this team. But, but I, I hope fans see that. And, and you, and I agree, you said it. And I hope he's here for a while too. All right, Dante. So we want to be considerate with your, with your time. We want to play a little game before we kind of let you go. Okay. It's called in the ozone. Okay. Uh, we're just going to ask you kind of rapid fire questions, um, you know, favorite things and things like that. And you just answer just to get a little, a little more uh, of who Dante is. I like it. Okay, Justin. All right. Uh, so first question, favorite city to visit and one city that you wish you could visit in the near future? Well, my favorite, I'm just partial. I love going to Boston, but let's say I can't, let's say I can't do Boston. I love Chicago. I don't know if you guys have been, but man, that is a great city. Yeah. Oh, great food, great sports town, great atmosphere. Yes. Uh, so I love I love checking out Chicago. And as far as the city that I hope to visit in the near future, man, we were gonna get we were gonna get three days off in New York City. So I would I just would love to go there, show our support for everything that they've gone through, and uh, I'd just love to visit that city at some point. We we love going there. Same thing, great town, great people, and would love to visit that hopefully at some point soon. Perfect. Next question for you, Dante. Who was your favorite player growing up? Any sport? Yep, Larry Bird. Hands down, easiest. Larry Bird was was my guy because he wasn't, you know, he was about as athletic as me. So that's what made me think. <laughs> I could I could do all I could do all that stuff. And you know what? Like I, I knew for me as a player, I couldn't I love playing basketball and people love Michael Jordan and they love Magic Johnson and I get that. But I knew I couldn't dunk. I knew I wasn't going to provide those acrobatics. But I could do a no look pass, right? I could, I could hustle. I could, uh, you know, I, I could do, I could do some of the things he could do. Not on his level, but that's what. And he, and he was a winner, and and I did. I, that was my guy. That that was my guy, Larry Bird. Would you still debate that Larry Bird is a all time best small forward in the history of the NBA? Would you fight that truth? I would. I would fight that truth. I, you know, he's given up that that mantle to LeBron. I don't know how you can argue that over LeBron now, and some are putting him maybe even over Michael Jordan, which I I think that gap is closing. <laughs> I do, but uh, you know, but I you know I think if you put Michael Jordan in an era where you couldn't touch him, I think he gets through. So <laughs> I, I still think it's, it's MJ it's MJ all the way through. But yeah, I if for small forwards for me, uh, it's LeBron and then Larry. But I do think Larry Bird is in the top five all time. I do as far as overall play. And, I, and I'll die. And I'll die on that island. I'll die fighting on it. <laughs> there, there you go. <laughs> all right, Dante. Last question: Most memorable Orlando Magic memory of all time? Man, I think I'm torn. Be- a lot. I'm torn between when we knew we were going to the NBA Finals and we're standing on the floor in Orlando, or 
walking onto the floor in LA for game one of the NBA finals. And I, and I think it's probably that. I think that moment, walking into Staples Center, knowing we were in the NBA finals and all eyes were on this series, and I was going to get to get to broadcast and be a part on the radio at the time as a sideline reporter, but, but getting to work in NBA finals was just incredible. And then watching the pass leave Hito's hands, going in perfect trajectory towards Courtney Lee, and thinking, oh my, this may really happen. We may really tie this series. Uh, that moment I will never forget. I mean, that when LeBron hit that, hit that game winner in game two, just that devastation uh, against Cleveland, well, I'll, I'll never forget that. But, I mean, you know, closing out the Boston Celtics, um, winning that game up there. I mean, it was just, just so many terrific memories. But I think walking into the Staples Center for game one of an NBA Finals was, would probably be my favorite. And I, I have to ask, just because I feel like this is a, a common topic that comes up pretty often, and since you brought it up, do you feel that the reins in the final series should have get, been given to Jameer Nelson over Rafer Olsen? Yes, I do. And I, and I, but I don't think he should have played as many minutes as he, should, as he did. I don't think he should have played as my, – my only change would have been he shouldn't have played as many minutes, and, and, and this is the only thing. You shouldn't have cut Anthony Johnson out. Mm. That that would be the only that would be the only change out. You had an All Star. Remember, he made the All Star team. The, the All Star team that he couldn't play because he was hurt. He was the best point guard. And I've done three shows with Rafer Alston and Anthony Johnson, who both said we wanted Jameer back and we wanted Jameer to start. We understood that piece of it. I just think they felt Anthony shouldn't have been out of the rotation. And I get it. It's so hard to play everybody. So I get I get the dilemma. I did. I yeah. I was torn on that until they all said we all wanted Jameer back. That was not a question. We just wish we could have found a way to get Anthony Johnson into the rotation as well because I know that killed him. That Rafer AJ combo was great, and then you didn't see AJ in the finals. So I think if there was one right. way to redo it. But that being said, guys, you make that layup, you're one one. And again, revisionist history, and I hate doing it, but but the game and the game was on the other day where you know the the Magic were up five with 30 seconds left in game four. They, they could have won game two, and they were about to win game four. Dwight can't make a free throw, uh, so, so that keeps the door open. And then Jameer Nelson just gave too much room to Derek Fisher. So still, even with Jameer back, it's not like they got blown out. They should have arguably could have been up 2-1 or even 3-1 with him playing those minutes. So I, that's tough. It's tough to, to look at it. But I tell one of my favorite stories of all time, and it comes from Tony Batiste, he goes, remember, because remember after the NBA Finals, there, um, 2010, you make the trade for Vince Carter. And Courtney was asking, you know, do, you know, if I make that layup, do you think we would have won the NBA Finals? You know, do you think that could have happened? And Tony's response goes, I don't know if we'd have won the championship, but I know he wouldn't be in New Jersey. <laughs> I, thought that, I thought that was, and at, the, at that time they were rebuilding and, He's sitting at the end of the bench. That's one of my favorite stories. But, but yeah, it was a great run, and uh, you know, and I and and it's fun on Fox Sports Florida. We're going to be re-airing uh, the those four wins from the 1995 semifinals against Michael Jordan and the Bulls, which predates me. So I'm really interested in looking at, at those four wins. I think that could be fun too. That's going to be fun. Super exciting, Dante. Thank you so much for being on the show with us. We we're we're humbled and we greatly appreciate it. It's been a lot of fun for sure. Hey, my pleasure, guys. I really appreciate you having me. And 
Uh, keep up the great work. I enjoy following you guys. And if you need anything, let me know, okay? Thanks, guys. Thank you so much. Thank you, Dante. Thank you. You got it. Thank you for listening to the Ozone Podcast, the voice of Magic fans. Be sure to visit our website, theozonepod.com. And remember to subscribe, rate, and leave a review on all your favorite podcast listening platforms.